Good morning. Thank you, Ryan, for leading that song. It not only woke us up, but it uh, gave a little, uh, a little backdrop for the lesson today. Appreciate it very much for uh, taking that one on so early this morning. We have all kinds of definitions we throw around, and we use the word hero a lot these days. And I just threw some definitions up out of the dictionary just to give us uh, maybe a little bit to think about here. A hero is a person who might be regarded for, for uh, courageous acts, a nobility of character, they're a role model, someone especially devoted to duty. And of course, we've had so many superhero movies that we, we think of superhero as well. And that person might be someone who has achievements beyond what we might expect or powers beyond what um, others might have in doing that. So I'll just give you that definition as a backdrop uh, for the lesson today. I love the, the CBS News program called um, CBS News Sunday Morning with, uh, used to be Charles Kuralt used to do that program. Now Jane Polly does it. And because I'm a morning shower person before church and we have to leave at 8 or 8.15 to get here on time, I only get to see the first 30 minutes every week of this. And while I wouldn't endorse every, every show they have, in general, it's a whole lot better news than any other channel puts on or any other news show puts on that I see. And it's usually human interest stories and positive things uh, about people in our country, and that's, that's one of the reasons that I, that I watch it. A few weeks ago, they had a story about a man in Salt Lake City who dresses up kids in, uh, in superhero costumes and takes their pictures. And you might go, okay, well, that's kind of cool. What else will rich parents do for their kids, right? They'll, they'll always want to see them like this. But that's not really the point of the story because these are special kids. These kids are kids who are facing some adversities. You might see in that one picture, there's a young man dressed up as Superman with x-rays coming out of his eyes who's in a wheelchair. And he's, he, will be, he will be like that for life. Most of these other kids are kids who are suffering through cancer. Um, kids who are having some special need, something to overcome in life. And they live a life which it's very easy for them to look at themselves and see the differences they have with others and the inadequacies maybe they have or the struggles they have, maybe the unfairness of life that they have to have to overcome something. And so this photographer on his own dime came up with this idea that let's let them see themselves one day, at least for one day, and maybe in a picture they can take with them, as superheroes. Because in fact, he would say that's what they really are. They're superheroes. They're overcoming something that most people don't have to overcome. And while lots of us have got to overcome cancer, imagine overcoming it as a five-year-old or a six-year-old. When we, when we deal with that, we know the people in our congregation are dealing with it and how tough it is today. Think about that toughness on someone that's only lived five years and how tough that is. This guy said, these are my real superheroes. And he wants them to see themselves as he sees them. And so that's what... His lesson was about to them in life. And the question I have for us as children of God, do we sometimes need to see ourselves dressed up in superhero costumes? Do we not always see ourselves the way God sees us? Have we not learned to see ourselves as something more than a person of our struggles, facing the challenges of life? These kids have got something really tough to overcome. They live in a world where they, it's easy for them to feel under assault by cancer or by physical disability. Um, he even did a story on uh, kids who were, who were bullied 
in schools, and it's, they were actually under assault because of whatever reason that kids bully each other. Do you feel under assault today as a Christian? I would tell you, in, in, in the world that I've lived in since the early 60s, and we've all known the world is like the world the, the whole time, but it feels like, as Christians, as the children of God, we're under more assault today than we've ever been under. When you look out into the world, do you see people who are um, holding up Christianity as the standard when you, when you go in, in your day of the world? Or do you see people who mock Christianity, who mock Christians? Do you feel like the laws of the land are beginning to, to save values that we would hold as, as just the very essence of us being Christian? Values of, of what God has taught us about things like marriage, about sexuality, about all those kind of things in life. But those are all being belittled. And Christians are actually being told, that, well, you're, you're bigoted, you're all these other things because you believe those things. And even though, as the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 12, 3, we clearly have not resisted to the point of death, yet, does it feel like we're closer in this country than we've ever been to seeing that starting to happen at some point? It feels that way to me. It feels under assault. It feels like that we're in the minority. It feels like we're being oppressed on every side. It feels like, is it really worth being a Christian and living in this world sometimes? This isn't new, brothers and sisters. Ephesians 6.12, Paul tells the Ephesians, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Any of that going on today in our world? Where is this assault coming from? I mean, if, if, you look, if you look at increasingly the number of teachers in schools who are teaching things that are just contrary to the Bible, the number of professors at colleges, even the number of people at trade schools who hold up a lifestyle that is a lifestyle that's not anything like the lifestyle of Christianity. We're under this assault. And we've always been under this assault. It just feels more real to us today because society is just a whole lot more open about it in the last five to 10 years than it has ever been. And we all look forward and we say, it's probably gonna get worse over the next 10 to 20 years given the track that things are on. It feels like we're, we're into a storm. And now maybe you know why I asked Ryan to lead that song because we are in a storm, without a doubt. And I don't believe I'm being paranoid or I'm being overly dramatic in, in telling you this. We're in the midst of a storm today, in 2021. And today's lesson is to remind us we're not the first people to go through a storm, and there is a way to make it through the storm. And it's to see ourselves as God would have us to see it. In Luke 8, verse 22, we read, One day he got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. 
And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And then he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled at saying to one another, Who is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. I have a good friend who, when he talks about this passage, he says, What the disciples didn't even know they wanted was for Jesus to calm the storm. The reality is what the disciples needed was for themselves to be calm in the midst of the storm. And what did they need to be calm in the midst of the storm? Well, Jesus told them by the question he asked them, where is your faith? When you're in a storm, what's the thing you need the most? Fear? No, you need faith. You need faith that we're in the boat with someone whose boat is not going to sink. No matter what happens to us physically, we're in the boat with Jesus. And when we're in the boat with Jesus, there's nothing to fear from a storm. Is that a hard lesson to learn? You bet it is. But I find it very interesting that Jesus reprimands his disciples for losing their faith when they needed it most. Maybe that's a human condition, that we as humans look around and we see the storm and we start losing our faith when we need it the most. And so this lesson this morning is a very simple lesson about why we need to keep our faith in the midst of the storm that we're going through. What's faith? All kinds of definitions for that. Let's throw all the ones in the dictionary away because the Bible tells us very clearly what it is. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction, the conviction of things not seen. What do you not see about your life in this world? Do you see heaven with your eyes? No. Do we see Jesus with our eyes? No. Do we see God? Do we see the end of our lives, what happens to us? Do we see judgment happening? We don't see any of those things with our actual eyes. That's what faith is for. Faith brings substance to those things that we know, that we believe in God's Word. Hebrew writer goes on to say, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It's impossible to please God without faith. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. In the midst of the storm of life that we're going through now in our culture and our society, we have to believe that not only God exists, but that his reward is there for us if we endure. That's what faith is. Faith is not just something that's in our heads, though. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith and does not have works? Can that faith save him? James, the second chapter, verse 14. James goes on to say in that chapter, do you, not, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. 
you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not all Rahab, also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith also apart from works is dead. You see, this faith that carries us through the storm is not a faith that hunkers down in the corner and says, just help me hold on, Lord, just help me hold on. There's nothing I can do. No, it's a faith that says, what can I do? If there's an oar, pick it up and start rowing. If there's someone to be helped in the boat, to encourage them, go encourage them. It's active. It's faith that does things, not just faith that believes things in our, in our heart. It prompts us to do that. And so the faith that God can use to save us from the storm is faith that has substance and evidence. It's based on evidence. It's centered on God and on His promises. It's assurance that God will keep those promises He's made to us. It's active. It's working. It's asking ourselves, what did God ask me to do? I'm just going to keep doing it no matter the, the opposition that I'm feeling, no matter what people around me are saying, no matter what people are calling me, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep showing up at the church building. I'm going to keep teaching other people about the gospel. I'm going to keep saying this lifestyle is wrong and this lifestyle is right because the Bible says so. And I'm unafraid of that no matter what the consequences are. It will face any storm and it is relentless in service. That's the kind of faith that we need to have. How much of that faith do we have to have? Well, after the apostles had come back and they had done some works that Jesus had asked them to do on their limited commission, but they had failed to cast out some demons and some other things, Jesus rebuked them for not having enough faith. And they said in Luke 17, verse 5, Lord, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had the faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to that mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. How much faith do we need for God to work through us His will? Just a little bit of the right kind of faith. Just a little bit to keep going. God can turn that into something great. We don't have time this morning to read about the Faith Hall of Fame, but this is really the, the center point, and this is where I'll bring the lesson to, to all of us, me first, as to how we need to see ourselves going through the storms of life that we go through, whether they're physical and physical things that we have to overcome with sickness and health issues, or it's cultural in our society that we're having to overcome, or family issues. God actually calls out people that had the kind of faith that he's talking about for us to look at. And we know those names. Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the Israelites who stepped into that sea when it was parted, the Israelite army at Jericho when they were marching around the, the city and really not doing anything that worldly people would say you would need to do to capture a city. Rahab, who we just talked about, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, all as a group. He names all those people. He names all those people. And then he says, then there's this great host of nameless people who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, 
stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, who were made strong out of weakness, who became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead back by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mockings and floggings, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, and this beautiful phrase talking about the faithful, of whom the world was not worthy. The world was not worthy of having those people walking on it, because the world is filled with darkness. But they were there anyway, doing God's will. Wandering about in the deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. Nameless people of faith. The question is, do you and I belong in that list somewhere? How many times have you written your list, your name up on the list with those, with those people that were named? Or you think of yourself in that nameless group of people that was talked about as they just kept enduring. They faced whatever got thrown at them. And if it meant sacrificing themselves, they did it. If it meant just enduring, if it just meant believing in the resurrection and a better life after a resurrection, that they just kept doing that. Do you and I write our name on that list? Is this list here just meant to show us how bad we are and how, how inadequate we are? I don't think so. All of these people that we just talked about, all of these people, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God providing something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And we go, okay, well, we're just talking about Jesus. I mean, they had to wait for Jesus to come. And of course, we know about Jesus, and that's what he's talking about. Well, that's not really what he says, is it? They, apart from us, will not be made perfect. What does that mean? Who goes together? All those people on that list and us. That who's, that, that, that's who gets made perfect. That's who goes to heaven. That's who ultimately is forgiven of all of our sins. We're on the same list with those people if we have that kind of faith. Do we really believe that? It's a promise God's made to us. We believe, have faith. We believe that God is and that he rewards those who seek him. We and they, all those heroes of faith, in God's eyes are the same because we know Christ Jesus came. And if we are Christ, then we're in the same group as those people here. Just to put that point home to us, the Hebrew writer goes on in the 12th chapter to say this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which closely clings to us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Why are they cheering for us? Is it just because they're fellow servants of God? Well, maybe. But what the Hebrew writer just said that apart from us, they're not going to be made perfect. There's almost this sense that they know if we don't make it, if Christ doesn't prompt us to have the same kind of faith that they have, and even more because we know about Christ, and they never didn't know about Christ, per se. If we can't be saved, how in the world are they going to be saved? They're cheering for us to finish because they're involved. Their faith is part of us. 
When you're having a tough time or you see how the world is falling apart around us and is becoming more oppressive to what you believe, do you stop and listen for the cheer of the crowd? All those nameless people who were sawn asunder, who died for their faith, who did mighty works for God for their faith, you hear them, hear them cheering you? You hear that crowd? We need to. They're cheering for us to make it. Because if we can make it, they can make it. And we all can make it. because Not because we're so good, but because God is making us good. He's taking our faith and He's using it to accomplish His will. And when He does that through us, He's going to reward us if we if we simply stay with him. But there's an even more important thing that's happening than those people in the stands cheering for us when we're having to endure the things life throws at us. The Hebrew writer says, we also look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. Oh, I can't put myself in the same bucket as Jesus. What Jesus endured, no human could, could endure. Well, he actually was human when he endured it. But that's, I don't think that's the point of this verse. Let's endure because Jesus endured is really hard for me to hold on to. I think there's a different part to this verse that we have to think about. Those people are all in the stands around us cheering for us, and when we're faltering on the field, who's there to put their hand out and pull us up? Who's looking at us and saying, remember Roger Schaus's message? What did Jesus say? Follow me. Just keep going. You can make it. We're not going to make it because we're so great in endurance or because we are superheroes. We're going to make it because Jesus is going to reach out and pull us along if we'll just reach out and grab his hand when, he, when we falter. If we allow him to work through us and to keep going because he's working through us, He's going to pull us to the finish line. We don't have to make it on our own. We're going to get there because of him. And that, friends, is the definition that we use for superheroes. We're going to accomplish something that a person could never accomplish on their own if they did not have power that came from somewhere else. Well, we do. And that's Jesus Christ. And everybody who has gone before us, who is in the bosom right now of Abraham, in heaven waiting to get their final reward, is cheering for us to make it. Are we cheering for ourselves to make it? It just takes having this faith that says, i got to get up today and do what I know I can do for the Lord. And if I can do that, it really won't matter what the devil can throw at us because it's never mattered what the devil could throw at people if those people are connected by faith to God. We have to believe that, and we have to act on that if we are going to make it at the end of the day. And you know what? We can make it. We can make it whenever sickness invades our body like a cancer. We can keep our faith, no matter how our body is being, is, is being tortured at that time. We can make it. We can keep using our resources to do good, even when others would try to take those resources away from us. We can keep our faith when we lose someone dear to us. We can keep our faith whenever 
we just have to get up in the morning and decide, I'm going to go to church today versus I'm not going to go to church today. We can keep our faith when we go, here's some people who need some encouragement that I think are having a tough time in this congregation. And we can keep our faith when we meet someone who doesn't share the blessings of the gospel and tell them, you know, despite what you've heard about Christianity, let me tell you what it's really about and share with them the story of Jesus. We can put on the superhero costume because the superhero costume that we put on, the picture we need to see of ourselves, is Christ Jesus living in us, taking us forward. And we need to understand what's going to happen for those people, us, who have put on Christ. Beautiful chapter in Romans the 8 that we don't have time to read all of that, but when we get to the end of that chapter, Paul concludes... In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor thing to come, nor powers, those dark powers of darkness that Ephesians, 12 talks, Ephesians 6, 12 talks about, they can't separate us, height or depth. Anything in all creation will not be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we put on that superhero costume, when we put on Christ, nothing can separate us from that. And therefore, throw the storm at us. Not that I want it to come. Not that I hasten the day of it coming. But if it's going to come, we can make it. Because we've got the only way that anybody will make it through life's storm and to find that reward. Putting on Christ as a superhero costume, is that a crazy idea? No. Galatians 3.27, for as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Let's wear Christ. We're not worthy of it. We didn't earn it. We're not going to work our way into it. But when we put Christ on, Christ is going to have us doing things for Him that helps us to overcome. This morning, if you've not put Christ on, now's your chance to do so. And we hope that uh, you'll consider these things as you think about your life. If there's anything we can do to help you, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.